Uh, welcome to BlackRock again, and uh, stoked to have you here. Wanna give a special shout out to those of you joining in our family worship room, because I'm normally with you at this hour, with my crying baby as well. Love you guys, you're not forgotten. And those joining us online that couldn't make it here today or are tuning in later this week, we love you, we're praying for you, and we're believing that this message will impact you exactly where you are too. Um, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet before, uh, my name is Rob. Um, I just celebrated my four-year anniversary to my beautiful wife, Hannah, this week. And um, we're parents to two incredible sons. Uh, my oldest just turned two New Year's Day, and my youngest just turned three months on Friday, so pray for us. <laughs> and uh, we, man, we have the opportunity of overseeing our young adults community here at BlackRock, and it is a blast. It's so amazing being part of a church that is a blessing we look forward to going to and not a burden that we dread uh, coming here. It's, it's great to be a part of a church that's old in faith and wisdom, but young in spirit and passion. It's so cool to be here. Man, I'm glad you're here. And um, one last thing before we get into God's word, and that's uh, Pastor Steve has given me the opportunity to share God's word with you today. And I just want to gas him up a little bit because my man is living the preacher's dream. He, he has an incredible wife, Jen, and they've had an amazing marriage. They have two kids who love them, love Jesus, and love the church. And he's been faithful to a church ministry for over 30 years that is thriving and growing. Most pastors I know only have one or two of those things going for him. And Pastor Steve has all three. And I think that really speaks to him as a husband, as a dad, and as a leader of our church. And it is the greatest privilege to share a platform with that man. It really is. I love him so much. But uh, I'm going to pray um, for us. Sound good? Let's do it. God, we ask that your timeless word will be received with open ears and open hearts, regardless of my age or preaching style this morning. I ask that your Holy Spirit will help me communicate the word that you have pressed on my heart and placed in my mouth. And ultimately, Jesus, that you will be better followed and exalted, and that your name will become more famous for the right reasons because of this. In Jesus' name, together as a church, we say, amen. So good. Hey, do you have any regrets from 2019? <laughs> I do. Yeah, you're like, oh, he's going there already. Yeah, I'm, I went there. Uh, here's a few. I'll, I'll air out my dirty laundry for you all to see. Uh, one of them is probably connecting with people over social media instead of having the opportunity to meet with them myself or to pick up the phone and call them. I regret not doing that more in 2019. Another thing I regret is probably watching a little bit too much TV, but let's be honest, I'm a millennial, I don't have cable, so it was a little bit too much This Is Us on Hulu. My wife and I enjoy crying together. That's the story of that. Or uh, The Crown, some of these other things. Come on, you, yeah, you're, you're vying with me already. Maybe spend a little bit too much time watching them, though. Uh, or playing video games, if I'm gonna be real, like FIFA 2020 has been my jam. And it's put a strain on our marriage. <laughs> uh, I also probably regret sharing words of dishonor or uh, like discouraging people out of a place of hurt before when my emotions have been out of check. I regret some of the things that I said in 2019. You know, you know some things I didn't regret? 
I don't regret meeting up with friends. Although I, I might have dragged my feet leaving the house originally, I don't regret meeting up with anybody. I don't regret uh, spending time in God's word. Although it might have been tough to initially do that, especially early in the morning. I'm like, oh, can I just get coffee first? And he's like, okay. And then I get into the word with God. I don't regret getting on my knees and, and praying for my family, for our church, for our world, and asking God to fill me by his spirit so I can live faithfully to him each and every day and fall more in love with him. I don't regret encouraging or honoring others. And, and you know what's funny is I normally leave all these things thinking, wow, I'm glad that that happened. It might have been tough to begin it, but I'm like, I'm glad that that happened. Another thing, I don't regret spending time with family and teaching my kids basic life skills. So like one of the things, for example, this week, I asked my two-year-old Leon to turn on the lamp in our living room. And this is like something that he's done before. And it's so small, right? But for him, it's the world. It's the biggest thing ever. I get to serve my family. Man, I have a part in this household, right? So I asked him to go turn on the lamp. And he's done this before. And he's trying to turn it on. It's like this little foot thing that you got to step on. And he tried doing it. And it like wasn't going on. And he's getting frustrated. And he's trying it over and over again. So I'm like, oh, man, let dad be the hero. And I'm like, this is my moment. <sighs> I've been training for this. And I go in and I'm like, Leon, this is how you do it, buddy. Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, hold up. And I try it again, nothing. Same result, right? And I'm trying it over and over again. I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, we're out of light bulbs. What is going on? And I come to find out the stupid thing isn't plugged in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how embarrassing is that? And sure enough, guess what? Results, plug it in, turns on. You know what's so interesting is that I think that so often in our faith, we ask God, God, why isn't my faith working? Why aren't my friendships thriving? But it's coming from being plugged into the power of God, being yielded to him, being, being surrendered to all that he has for us. We carry this into our faith. And, and you know what? All those moments that I just mentioned to you where I was like, wow, I'm glad that that happened. That came from spending personal time and corporate time right here with God where I felt empowered to do those things that are against my own nature and will. So a bunch of us in our young adult ministry came together and we've been praying for a word for us to focus on in 2020. I don't know if you do that, we do. And it's really cool when God speaks to one person, it's even more awesome when he speaks to a church community. So we kind of gathered together as the leaders of the young adult community and God kept putting this word yield on our hearts for 2020. For especially for our young adults community, but I believe it's a word for you today as well. And what I wanna do is I wanna build on what Pastor Dan was talking about last week a little bit. I, I love some of the things he said. He said, going from good intentions to living intentionally. Like, yeah, I need that. I, I like what he also said, nobody accidentally falls into a life of discipleship. Man, talk about living intentionally. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I wanna talk about one of those ways today, and it is this word yield. I want us to focus on yielding ourselves to God and to others. So I'm gonna get into the word of God right now. It's waste no more time. Philippians 2 is where we're going. Verses one through eight, this is what it says. If you don't have your Bible on you, it's on the air Bible behind me. So check it out. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? If you are a witness, this make some noise right now. Is there any encouragement? A few people are encouraged by being with Jesus. Amazing. Is there any comfort from his love? Yeah, I've been comforted by that. Any fellowship together in the spirit? We're doing it right now. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Heart check. Then he says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind in purpose. He says this, don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of yourselves, th- I'm sorry, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Big error there. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, get this, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. I want to talk to you today about yielding because I believe that yielding to God is the best thing we can do with our lives. I think it's what gives purpose to our lives. I believe that submitting to God's will and being able to submit our own wills to get behind other people is the best thing we can do with our lives. I want to talk about, there's, there's three really main powers in yielding. And I want us to, I know that Pastor Steve did like a cool sermon series with like street signs and whatnot in November. And I want to just like refresh your memory a little bit of that yield sign. Because I've seen you drive on Black Rock Turnpike, you don't know how to yield. And <laughs> I'm glad you're with me. You're like, amen. Um, three big things with yielding. The first is that there's this initial power of pause or stopping, right? That's, that's the first thing you have to do when you yield. You have to stop to leave space for someone else to have their way. And when we bring this into our faith, what does this look like? Man, I'm, I'm stopping for a moment. I'm getting out of my own way so that God can have his way just as we were singing moments ago in that song. Man, we gotta stop. What does this look like practically in life as well? Here's a little relationship advice, although I know I don't need to give it to you because you all have perfect marriages and I'm the only one struggling up here. Okay, so like we're in a heated argument, right? This doesn't happen often with my wife actually. Um, but when it does, this is what happens, like being Portuguese, uh, you know, the blood boils a little bit quicker than many of you. And, uh, you know, being in, we're, we're going in and Hannah's saying something and it hurt me, which she never does, but just for the sake of example, follow me. <laughs> but I'm hurt, right? And Hannah just sees like my stoic face and she's like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, you don't want to know what I'm thinking right now. And I have the choice in that moment to actually share what I want to share that would feel good in that moment and really hurt my wife and hurt my relationship with her. Or I have the opportunity to like literally like pause for a second and and just quickly ask God, God, man, I need your words. I need Hannah's best interest in mind right now, not my own, because I'm about to say something that's about to cut her. So Jesus, I need to yield to your thoughts to your voice and speak life into my wife right now before I say something that I know I'm gonna regret and that's gonna land me on the couch tonight. This is what the power of yielding does when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Stop to make way for his thoughts and his words through your mouth. Second power of yielding is in the power of surrender. You see, when you yield like you're supposed to, you give up your right of way because someone else has the right of way. What does this look like? When, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, when, when we declare him as our Lord and Savior, it is us saying, God, you know what? I thought I had the right of way. I don't. You do. I'm pausing. I'm stopping. I'm leaving room. I'm surrendering my own right of way. 
for your right way. Because God, I've tried it my way. It's not working. It's what got me in the place of questioning my faith, questioning my friendship, questioning my role in my family. I've tried these things, but man, they're not working. So God, you know what? I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna leave room for you, and I'm actually gonna surrender to you right now. And we're gonna give you a moment to do that just a little bit later. I don't know if you have been keeping up with um, this pretty big thing that's happening in America right now called the playoffs in football. You know, as a Giants fan, It was really fun rooting against the Patriots last week. It was really fun rooting against the Eagles. I was most surprised that the Tennessee Titans have beat the Patriots and the Ravens. Are you kidding me? The Titans. Like, remember the Titans? I don't, but I will remember these Titans. I don't know if you noticed, one of the things that have made the Titans so effective is their run game. This monster named Derrick Henry. He's a beast. He's wrecking people out there. But you know what's been even more amazing is the blocking that's happening to allow that to happen. There have been some lead blockers that have made a bunch of those plays happen for Derrick Henry. And I think that sometimes we need to surrender to God. Let God be your lead blocker. Let him be your lead blocker so that you, you will get further in life. You will have a much more abundant faith when you actually surrender to Jesus and let him block for you. Man. This is the power of yielding. I think as well what, what this could look like from a biblical example too. We preached a sermon series on David this summer and Pastor Josh brought in an incredible word and he was talking about how David was remembered as a man after God's own heart, but he had this extremely huge moral failure. Don't know if you remember it. He slept with another dude's wife and then had him killed. Like crazy, bad move, bad leadership. Not good move. But if you remember what's happening before that, the scripture says, while the kings were normally out to battle, David was in his palace. See, in that moment, David did not surrender to God's will for him as a leader, as a king, as God's anointed one. He was not fighting the battles that he should have been fighting. Instead, he fought a battle he should have never fought to begin with. And God gave him grace, as we know. Yes, there were consequences to his poor decisions and actions that we see happen in his family. There was grace that covered him, but I'm like, man, this could have been avoided. I just look back at my own life. I'm like, how many of the stupid decisions that I've made could have just been avoided if I was in the right place following God's plan for my life instead of surrendering to my own will, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm gonna show this later with the young adult community. Like, yeah, if you're lying horizontally on a couch with your boyfriend or girlfriend at one in the morning watching Netflix, doesn't lead to good things. Surrender yourself to Jesus. Then there's this third power of yielding. It's the power of following, okay? So you gotta pause to leave space for someone to go before you. There's a surrendering your right of way, but then there's the following behind them. And, and what does it look like to follow Jesus, to get behind God's ideas? Because I think that Jesus did this the best out of anyone we see in the Bible. Over and over again. This, this is one person that was perfect in this. I'm glad that he was because we're not. 
But man, he gives us grace to follow him better. So, so Jesus, it says right here in the scripture that when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And if you remember one of his most famous prayers, God, not my will, but yours be done. And it says that when he obeyed God, that he died a criminal's death on a cross so we wouldn't have to. Now, I'm gonna take a random guess and, and, and think that Probably most, if not all of us here today, have not been called to die a criminal's death on a cross. Just, I don't know, just guessing that. I'm wondering, what, what does it look like for us to yield and follow Jesus today? What, what are a few things that maybe Jesus has called us to as his followers? I got a few for us today. There are plenty of things, but I, I got a few for us to focus on. I want you in your own time and God knowing where you are right now to focus on one thing for this week from the things that I have up here, okay? The first thing that God calls us to, and this is especially for those that are older and that have been in the faith a while as a counselor or mentor. And I'm not talking psychologists. There's, I love my psychologists. They're incredible. They're, they help me. They're amazing. Psychologists are amazing people. I'm talking like counseling with wisdom and mentoring. This is like goals for me. I'm not, I'm not at that point yet. I'm only 26. This is something that I strive to be someday. And I think that one of the things that really identifies a, a Christian follower of Jesus that, that is living this out well is when you're counseling, man, patient listener, generous with wisdom, encouraging with words. In the Old Testament, there is this transition of leadership that goes on between a guy named Moses and Joshua and then to the next generation after that. What's so interesting is that Moses had Joshua following him for a few decades. And on his last, in some of his last days, Moses just pours out even more into Joshua than he ever has before. And you know what he does? He identifies the faults of his generation. He reminds Joshua of God's faithfulness to him. And then he encourages him to lead well in his generation. And you know what's so interesting is that that's exactly what Joshua does. And as Joshua gets older, it's then recorded in the scripture, and I have a verse reference up on the screen for you. Joshua does the same thing to this next generation. He tells them of the faults of his own generation. He reminds them of God's faithfulness, and he encourages them to lead well in the next generation. What's so interesting as well as this is going on is that these are three completely different time periods that are happening for the people of God. So you have Moses who led people out of evil and demonic slavery, who then is a sojourner in the wilderness for 40 years. And he sees the promised land, but he doesn't step into it. Then he passes it on to Joshua, who goes and he fights for the promised land with his people and with God. So he fights for the promised land, and then Joshua hands it out to this next generation that actually get to live in the promised land. And you know what, for some of us, some of you might have fought wars for our country that I might never have to fight. But that doesn't mean you, you can't be gracious with your, your wisdom or counsel. How did we get here is essentially what is going on with Moses and Joshua. This is how we got here. I'm gonna humble myself and recognize my own faults within my own generation. I'm not gonna pretend like my generation has it all together and that the millennials are entitled. My generation was too. Encourage them with God's faithfulness. Encourage them to lead well with whatever's next, even if it looks different than your leadership. 
And there's this next thing. And, and speaking of leadership, there's, there's this thing that we're, we're all called to. I don't care what age you are. We're all called to lead well. I believe that the best leaders should be coming from the church. I believe that the best leaders available to the world are Christians because we have the best leader in the universe to follow. So what does this look like to lead as a Christ follower? I got a few ideas. Level-headed in troubling times. I'm working on this. Courageous in uncertain times. Faithful all the time. This is what leading, letting, like surrender to Jesus and letting him lead, this is what it looks like. You might have known this love passage in the Bible. You've probably heard it at weddings before. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Yada, yada, yada. I'm blanking on the rest right now. Help me out. Oh, man. Who gave this guy a microphone? What if your leadership looked like love that is patient, that's kind, that is not envious, like we're not cutthroat, it's not boastful or prideful, but is humble and willing to serve your organization, to serve your boss, to serve those under you. And this is what a yielded life to Jesus looks like in our world. The last thing is that I believe we're called to be parents. And not just by blood, like not just by having kids, which there's value and a huge blessing and honor in that. But I know some people that wish they can do that and they are unable to. Man, there's still dignity for you being a parent, spiritually, in our church. Man, you can, you can, you can help raise up the next generation in this place that is multi-generational. We got kids that need teachers in their Sunday schools. We got, we got high school and middle school kids that are passionate about Jesus but don't know what to do with that passion. I didn't. And if it wasn't for some of you stepping in to be that for me, not just in my household, but in the house of God. Whew. Come on. This is what we're called to do. What does it look like to be a healthy, spiritual, and, and, and bonus to actual parent in 2020? Well, active and engaged. Man, you know what? I'm figuring out this whole parenting thing. I'm new to the game. But I don't want my kids' memories of dad to be iPhone screen, then dad. Like, put the phone down for an hour when you get home. You're not that important, and neither is your job. Your kids are the most important thing when you're with your family. Active and engaged. Come on. Next thing. I'm sorry. Present engaged, active and asking active in asking. What do I mean by that? Don't be afraid of the culture. Engage it. Don't be afraid to ask your kids, hey, what are you learning in school? Hey, what's going on over at your, your, your practice or the, the next extracurricular event that I'm bringing you to? Active and asking, not full of answers, but full of grace. Because I'm like, I don't have any answers for my kids right now. I don't know what to say if they were to ask me certain questions about our culture right now. I don't know what to say. I don't have to, but I don't have to be afraid of it. And the other thing as well is full of grace for when they mess up, full of grace um, all the time. That, that's what we need to be full of. And you know what? I don't have all the answers in parenting, but from what many of you told me, you don't either. But we should actually take courage in the fact that we don't. And yeah, we're going to research. But I think our next generations, yeah, they want to they grow in wisdom, right? And they understand that what the culture is feeding them right now is a pseudo-truth. 
They want parents that are active and engaged, whether that's at home or serving here in the church. Present and engaged, active and asking. You know, there's this thing that your kids are probably sending out that you might have seen called memes. And uh, pretty much what they are, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a photo of something with a little caption and it's supposed to be humorous. Most of the time it's ironic, but there's this one meme that's like really popular right now called I'm gonna tell my kids that. And it's completely built on satire. So I brought a few of them for you today. There's one that says, I'm gonna tell my kids that this was Gordon Ramsay. And it's Remy from Ratatouille. This is the other one, I'm gonna tell my kids this was Camila Cabello, and it's Janice from Friends. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite one, especially as a Giants fan. I'm gonna tell my kids that this was the Dallas Cowboys, and it's the Three Stooges. I might actually tell my kids that. Not gonna lie. Oh, man. <laughs> but what if we like left the humor for just for a second? Okay, and we yielded to Jesus and we changed the narrative. And we made, I'm gonna tell my kids that this was the year that I got in better shape so I can be more active with my kids and around and active and healthy for my grandkids. Man, that's something that my wife and I are doing. We're in our 20s right now, but we're like, man, we wanna get in good shape so that our kids aren't tiring us. We wanna tire our kids out. We wanna be active with them in their teens and in their 20s and we wanna be active and around when they have their kids. I'm gonna make some physical choices, some eating habit choices now that's gonna, as far as it's up to me, I wanna be healthy and alive and better in my 80s than I am at 26. Man, I'm gonna tell my kids that this was the year I hit reset on my faith. I'm gonna tell my kids that this was the year that I decided to live intentionally like Jesus instead of just letting life happen to me. Come on, somebody. That's what I want to tell my kids. Can you imagine with me just for saying, Ben, you guys can come back up, by the way. You're doing amazing. My goodness, Amy, you're anointed. You all are, but that last song had me crying. Can you imagine with me for a moment if all of the thousands of people that are going to be hearing this same message across our four services today left here and impacted our world, encouraged and inspired by God's word, surrendered to God and yielding to others in 2020. Can you imagine what that would look like? Because like when one person does it, like, you know, we had Pastor Dan up here last week. It's like, man, I can never live up to that guy. I don't know, if that, like that's me every time Pastor Dan speaks. I'm like, what? <laughs> and when one person does it, you know, you think, man, that's a really cool person. But when thousands of people do it, it's like, that's a move of God. People will start asking, what the heck is happening over there at Black Rock Church? I know it's a really big building, and I know it blocks me up on traffic on my way to my golf game on Sunday. But you know what? It's a big building, but the people come from it have bigger hearts. And they're like actually surrendered to God. And they're actually intentionally following him and living in his ways. And when people start that, they're like, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a place that is old in faith and wisdom and young in spirit and passion that's thriving in, in, you know, 170 years of God's faithfulness and still kicking, baby. Man, I want to be a part of a place like that. Okay, a couple people. It's amazing. I, will, will you stand with me? We're about to sing a worship song in just a moment, but we'd love for you to stand. 
for this last part. Just want to pray over you. Because I do know that some of you are in a position right now where you're about to believe in Jesus, where you've never actually done that for yourself. Nobody else can do it for you. Your mom can't do it for you. Nor your aunt, nor your cousin, nor your grandmama. This is your personal decision. And you're gonna leave here today saying, I'm gonna tell my kids that this was the year, that today, January 12th, 2020, that this was the day that I gave my life to Jesus and I was forever changed by him and I'm forever changing more by his spirit. Some of you are in that position today. And it would be a waste if I didn't give you an opportunity to do that right now. So we're all gonna pray. And some of you are gonna surrender your lives to Jesus for the very first time. Guess what? You're in a room that encourages that, that people are gonna be stoked for you. And I'll tell you what, if you're afraid to do it here, you won't do it out there. So some of you are gonna give your life to Jesus the other people, they're gonna cheer loud for you because you're about to step into eternity. Let's pray. Yes, Jesus. Pray for open hearts to you, God. If that's you today, I want you to just repeat this after me in your own words. Jesus, I believe you're my savior. You saved me from my wrong ways known as sin. And you're about to bring me into your right way. I accept you as Savior and Lord over my life. I turn from my sin and I follow you because your way is the best way. Can you do me a favor? If that was you right now, can you just look at me and lift up your hand so I can see that? Yeah, amazing. Oh, so good. Come on. Let's go. This is how you start the new year. This is it. This is it. Thank you for watching Black Rock Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we want to invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.